something outside. What is that? Used to watch the show in search of, which uh, everyone knows about that, that show. 
Um, but at seven years old, you know, you're like, oh, what's this? This looks pretty cool. And that's when I first saw the Roger uh, Patterson and Bob Gimlin film. And as they were explaining where this was at, I was like, wow. I was looking at me and my brother looking at you, looking at each other saying, man, I wonder if something like that out there really exists. Uh, and, uh, of course, as your kids, you grow up and you put a lot of things in the back of your mind. And, you know, you don't you, you forget about things as you grow older and you know, become an adult. Um, and then back, uh, it was back in 1995 is when I was getting in the computer field and, uh, doing some research online and I, uh, just for giggles, uh, I went on there and put in Bigfoot and, uh, to see what I can find and found a lot of information online, uh, uh, different groups that were out there, uh, actually researching and trying to find answers to these, to these, uh, creatures. And man, it just just like a light switch, man. It just flipped, and uh, mm-hmm. ever since then, I got I was I was hooked into it, and uh, I had to find out more, and because uh, I always wanted to wonder or figure out the mystery of uh, what I saw um, on that program, and say, it's got to be real. Something's, there's something to this. So uh, um, that that literally uh, start uh, sparked the the fire and me to, to start doing more research. And, I'd, of course, I did a lot of armchair research uh, for a couple of years. And then uh, um, as time went by, I uh, uh, I was watching a lot of movies uh, on the subject, especially Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that, that, scared, that, <laughs> that scared me in the realization that uh, something, there's got to be something to this. Um and uh, I got into uh, – I joined the BFRO uh, for a short time and then got out of there, um, left there. And that's actually where I met Diane Stocking, and we hit it off really good. Um, she actually taught me a lot about the subject, uh, got, uh, brought me some books to read, and uh, told me the ins and outs of the uh, Sasquatch community, um, some good, some bad. Um, and uh, so when I got out of uh, – as being an investigator for the BFRO, uh, struck out on, on my own, um, and uh, we had some differences there, and uh, and uh, so I struck out on my own and uh, created the independent Sasquatch research team because uh, there were some other people that um, were out there that had left other groups for whatever reason, and uh, they knew of me and wanted to get in touch with me and wanted to get out in the field and and keep doing this, you know, because the fire was still burning um, in them as well. I wanted to get out there and do some research. And, uh, so uh, in 2000, that's when I created the Independent Sasquatch Research Team, and uh, gosh, that was uh, 18 years now <laughs> gone by, and uh, we got uh, a little, little over 20 members now, um, and uh, we have what we call a core research group, and then we have some enthusiasts, you know, that... Uh, are, are are there with us as well and support but uh yeah it's been uh it's been great it's been fun yeah and i think that's awesome that diane stocking was sort of your mentor if you if you would say i just oh, love yeah. her yeah. she is just so knowledgeable <laughs> and such a sweet lady and you just couldn't ask for a, for a better person so you're lucky, oh, no. very lucky to have. Yeah, have I think her. I, yeah, I think I hit the the gold mine on that, <laughs> on that. Mm-hmm. Such a such a great person. 
well, let me ask you about your team right now. You say you have over 20 people. Who are some of your your key investigators, and what type of roles, you know, do you specifically have, like somebody that collects DNA, somebody that does audio, those type of things? Could you kind of explain to us how, how your group works? Well, um, as it as it means, we're all independent uh, researchers, so um, and investigators. So we try to utilize everybody on the team to pick up all the pieces as far as the training and learning to, uh, to do everything. We have a core bunch of people, myself and uh, Willie and. Uh, Pat and uh, so we got John and I don't know if they want me to give them their last names or not, but uh, anyhow. Um, but uh, our our main focus is having everybody um, work as a team and learn all the facets. Uh, well, that's good. Kind of like a cross training. Yeah, exactly. that's, yeah, yeah, that's the awesome. You want to work as, as if you were the only person out there uh, collecting this evidence. If you were, and some of them are, because we're you know everyone's going in their own areas. In, uh, of interest where these uh, you know creatures are uh, inhabiting and uh, so if you're the only one there you would have to know all these tools of the trade to be able to do that you know um, the one we can't leave it to one person to, to do everything um, so it's good to have everybody cross trained and be able to to pick up the pick up the gauntlet so to speak and uh, get out there and, and do this field work each and every one yeah fascinating uh Sounds like you guys you got a pretty dang good group of uh, researchers and investigators. You, sounds like you got a, a pretty uh, solid team. Now, when you guys are actually conducting field research, how do you guys go about conducting field research, and what does that entail for your group as a whole? Um, well, it depends on uh, for, if we're going off of a, a recent report or an old report. Um, We'll go in those areas if we can contact uh, the witness and uh, gather as much uh, information from them as possible. Um, there's different angles we go at and with that. Um, the main thing is we want to, you know, get out there as soon as possible or go in these areas that are old uh, uh, reports and uh, monitor those areas. Um, so, you know, we, in investigating areas, uh, we would, you know, Take a, a scan the area, canvas of the area of, say, for instance, a, a report that's fairly new or just happened, you know, a few days or maybe a week or a few weeks ago. Um, we would uh, canvas the area looking for signs, you know, uh, of these creatures that they leave behind, and uh, we would look for those signs and tracks, of course, uh, and uh, we would uh, have to record all that information. Um, a lot of times these areas are the reports that we get are they're so old that a lot of the evidence is gone and you know, there's barely anything to, to go on but they're frequenting this area for some reason so we look for that whatever reason they're in that area for whether it be uh, for instance one of the areas we go into quite a lot uh, there is a blueberry um, company not too far from where this, from where we where we go into. So we look for areas like that. Okay, well, you know, there, there's there's a water source here, there's food source here, and, and everything's abundant. So um, they have to be coming through here for a reason, whether it be 
you know, they're uh, coming in for a quick meal or an easy meal, going through dumpsters or some of these garbage cans or, or what have you. Um, so we take all we take that all into account. Um, and of course, we I uh, instill in our team members to try to write down everything you can, and because trying to do it off memory is is very hard. Um, and write taking notes of the area. Uh, taking video, taking pictures, um, that sort of thing, getting that type of evidence. And um, if it's a frequent area that these things are in, then we, we go another step as, as to uh, we'll put audio equipment out or camera equipment out and monitor their area that way and try to keep in touch with uh, any uh, of the witnesses um, that uh, have reported the, the incidents or the encounters. That they have. Um, we have, oh gosh, probably over five, between five and six areas that we try to keep monitoring on because uh, they're known areas of Sasquatch activity, whether it be a, a sighting happened five years ago or it happened last year. Um, a lot of the reports in this one area. Um, uh, there's been a lot of reports coming out of this area that uh, they frequent a lot, uh, but they don't always stay in those areas. So they have a good radius of uh, moving around, which I'm predicting like about a 50 mile radius. Okay. Do Do you have any very current sightings that were reported to you? Um, one that was uh, reported to me, which was. A lady, um, and I think maybe she already got in touch with the BFRO, but I actually uh, got in contact with her through a, um, a friend um, that t- she told him what was going on, and he knew us, and so he just kind of hooked up that way. But uh, there was a road crossing sighting uh, just south of where I, where I live, which is in Lakeland, Florida. Um, it's about a 40-minute drive south of where I live. And um, it's a rural area, and it was a road crossing sighting. And the lady and her husband and her son were uh, driving home early in the morning, and it was about 5.15 in the morning, I think, and uh, they uh, saw this thing run across the road in front, right behind a car that was in front of them. So the taillights of, the, of that car illuminated mm. the creature, and... It just it just wow. freaked her out. You, when you hear a sighting, when the whole family is in the car and they all, and yeah, that's what well, we saw. It does, it does give some, you know, credence to what, what they think they saw. You know, whether, as opposed to just one person. I, I always like those reports where it's multiple witnesses. Yeah, and she, the, the poor lady, she was almost crying on the phone because she was so. It was it happened uh, back in well, actually this time of year in July, last year, and and I spoke to her I think two months ago on this, and uh, even at that time, man, she was just uh, so overwhelmed by it, almost in te- almost in tears, telling me the story again. Mm. I was like, <laughs> I had to tell her take a yeah, breath, that's, that's you know, kind of frightening. <laughs> you, oh, if yeah. you watch a legend walk out across in front of you on the road in front of your car. Um, I can't even imagine. Um, let me ask you if you if you guys do your research year round, um, do you get the reports year round, or is there certain times of the year that 
the reports peak and then certain times they decline off. I mean, how's it going down there in Florida for you guys? Well, it's kind of like a um, feast or famine. I mean, sometimes we'll get some 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 reports. Some most of them are you know older reports. Um, some are, are newer, like this one. Um, but uh, it, it depends. It's hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I know we've gone a whole year without anybody reporting anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, but then that same year there was something that happened close. You know, close to one of the areas we research in, but we. Of course, we didn't hear about it until you know a year or several years later. So it, it depends on on how people report and uh, how that information gets out. And uh, you know, publicizing yourself is one way to get yourself out there. And uh, I got to tell, I, I go out in these rural areas and I tell my team to do the same thing. Is I have a business cards made up with uh, our team or our, our our website and our my our telephone number to contact us. And uh, I leave our card or information um, maybe on someone's fence or, or or something like that, so you know they can see it and say, hey, you know, if you have if, if they have anything in in this area that's uh, they're having issues with or something like this, give us a call. Um, and uh, a lot of times, you you know, every once in a while, you'll get reports picked off just on that, but. Um, Great idea. A lot of it's uh, a lot. Of, a lot of it's uh, by mouth and by people mm-hmm. knowing who you are and uh, maybe heard of us on a on a on a, a podcast show like this, and uh, they'll contact us and and we'll get a few reports on that, you know, in those those areas. Yes. But uh, then summertime, it's rough down here. It is rough, man. Right now, it's mm-hmm. I, it was had to been like nineties or 97 degrees out here plus the humidity on top of that and it's I know really if, hard it's bad to get out when if it's, it's like hard for me breathing is if it's, hard, it's hard to even breathe it's, hard, it's like it walking is. through a tower <laughs> it is yeah it, and uh, and then of course you know we have the rain uh, we've been having monsoon rains here in, mm-hmm. the, in the afternoon so much uh, I went out last Sunday um, just to go check out some areas and and I have a four-wheel drive, and there's some pl- spots out there that I didn't even want to take my four-wheel drive because I couldn't, even, I couldn't see what was in the in the in the water, you know, because I didn't want to mess up my transmission. But, but everything's full of uh, water, and and uh, but uh, you know it's still doable. But you just gotta you gotta acclimate to the heat down here. It's 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 even pretty rough for me. I lived down here most of my life. David. Over the years, how many how many witnesses have you interviewed? Uh, would you say uh, a lot, a little bit? I would imagine it's it's more than you could probably remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, over dozens, I think. Uh, and I count in uh, some of the work I've done with the BFRO as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's probably been over dozens, uh, several dozens of people. Um, talked to some people that uh, would call me up and. Tell me there that they had an encounter and uh, try to follow up with them a couple of times on the phone and then try to meet up with them and they just don't call back. You know, a lot of people do that, um, whether or not they're you know making a story up because then you know if you're going to call me, I'm going to pursue it. You know, and if you're not going to pursue it, then I'm going to drop it because either <laughs> either two things you're you're either too scared to come forward or this was you're just maybe 
hoaxing it or faking the report. Right. And uh, I look at it like this. I don't. I really don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, okay. if you if you That's had a sighting right. and and you want to come forward and you want to tell us, um, you know, we're we're here doing a job. We're, we're you know we, we want to get it. We want to get the evidence. We want to get information and uh, and we want to get out there quick. If it's especially a recent sighting. Yeah. But uh, um, with with um, with with some of these witnesses over the years they've been interviewed, is there has there been a certain witness or a certain story? that really jumped out at you as, as being really credible or even possibly just kind of really creepy? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, yes, and um, this was actually – because I, I listen to a lot of podcast shows because um, the work I do is kind of tedious at work. And uh, so I uh, download podcasts and I listen to them during work as I'm working, and I can multitask like that. But um, – I was listening to uh, a podcast, um, and I had a gentleman on there that was talking about his encounter. And I was like, holy crap, this is like two and a half hours away from me. And I'll bring up the gentleman's name. His name is Steve. He's now actually on our team uh, as, a, as a member. And uh, But it uh, just so happened I, th- I was back in uh, 2015, and um, – he was a he. He did uh, fishing, uh, sport fishing, and uh, he was on a kayak in uh, off the coast of uh, close to the Cape Canaveral area here in Florida. And he was checking out the area for redfish. And he was there early in the morning. And he said the light is just coming up, you know, uh, on the water, you know. And his story just is I, I call it the most aggressive uh, Sasquatch story to date here in Florida. If there's another one out there, I'd love to hear it. But um, as he was uh, on the kayak, he uh, was fishing, caught a fish. He was about to release it, and, uh, or he was in the middle of releasing it, and he got hit with this uh, smell, and um, he was about to puke. He said, man, it's so putrid. He was, he was dry heaving, and he said that he was he was just wanting to get out of there because it was so bad. And he, he had a a sit-on-top kayak, and as he was stroking uh, on the paddle to, to take a few strokes to get out of there, I uh, heard this yell, this deep yell, scream, whatever you call it. He said it just kind of went through you, and uh, he's like, what the heck is that? You know, and he, um, as he stopped, he was looking, and he heard him, um, on the edge of the, the the water or on the on the bank, he noticed a bunch of pigs, little small pigs, uh, scurried off, and he thought he scared up this, these pigs. So he's looking at these pigs running off, you know. And then all of a sudden he sees his hand pull this palm from him, and he, then he see, he's looking at this face staring at him. <laughs> and uh, and they're staring at each other for a few seconds, I guess. But then he said, he said it probably might have been 20, maybe 30 seconds or maybe less. He said, but this thing shot out like a rocket. He goes, this thing moved fast, and it ran toward him into the water, and he was, before the thing moved, he said he was probably about 20 20 feet away from it, and he said by the time this thing got out in the water, it was about three to four foot in the water, he said by this time he was 15 feet from this thing, and it was pissed, and it was pissed. He said it had a look on his face like it, it wanted to just kill him. 
as it ran toward him, it, it made him flip back in the kayak and into the water. And he um, jumped up out of the water with his uh, his paddle and was yelling at this thing. And this thing kind of um, had a snarl on its face, and then it sl- slowly turned and started walking back onto the bank of the of the of the uh, land. And uh, he said, turned around, looked at him again, and um, then it just slowly walked into the into the woods and disappeared. <laughs> that that does uh, that sounds rather aggressive. I wonder if he broke up a sort of hunt or if he just spooked this thing and uh, you know and it kind of caught caught this thing by surprise and it was was just angry at him. Oh yeah, I, I think uh, horrifying. After it was all said and yeah, after it was all said and done, I think he I think he was I think he might have interrupted a a hunt or maybe this thing uh, just didn't like him being there or what. Um, but then there was another episode of the show, and uh, that it, then it became very interesting um, because then the, it got involved with the uh, some uh, wildlife officers here in uh, Florida, and, and then the rabbit hole goes a little deeper then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Apparently, uh, yeah, and yeah, that the whole that whole story, that whole incident there was probably the most compelling one that I've heard mm-hmm. of yet. And yeah, uh, I was thinking so. to this. Yeah, and to this day, uh, his name's Steve. To this day, he uh, he's very cautious and uh, sometimes don't even want to go into the in the woods. Not just yet, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's still suffering from uh, some uh, PTSD on that. And he had that for quite a while. He would wake up in cold sweats, uh, having nightmares of this, of this thing's face, you know. And uh, but uh, yeah, he. Uh, after talking to him for about an hour on the phone, um, you can really tell he was still shaken up about it, and uh, he he almost didn't want to talk about it anymore. And he just you know, it's one of those things you just can't put out of your mind, and uh, just stays with you. But I told him, you know, I said the more you talk about it, the better it'll it'll get because it gets it off your chest, you know. And then you talk to more people that are you know have have been in that situation or understand that situation, or people that like ourselves. Um, go out and research these things, um, you're basically letting, uh, comforting them to let them know that, you know, you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, these things right. do exist. Yeah. D- David, at times, you know, speaking of that story, I mean, that's an incredible and, and, and definitely uh, for, for the gentleman, Steve, scary story. Do you feel at times like uh, part of your role as an investigator is when speaking with these witnesses is just kind of being there for them and, and letting them know that you understand and you believe them? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I try to do that because people, believe it or not, people today, they, they, I mean, unless they're not watching TV or whatever else, most people know what Sasquatch is by now. Um, but some people, you know, they think it's a joke and it's, you know, like he said, he said he, he knew a Bigfoot, but he didn't really, you know, put a whole lot into it, you know, didn't think it was real and all that until actually, you know, this happened. Um, it plays a lot on people's minds, you know. It it uh, it turns your life upside down. Uh, basically, you know, you you question yourself on on your belief system now. Um, what you brought were brought up to believe, you know. And uh, but yeah, we uh, we try to kind of like to be. I wouldn't say somebody's a psychiatrist on the couch sort of thing, but we try to uh, you know comfort them and let them know that uh, you know they're not 
they're not seeing things. They're not crazy. Uh, you know, these things do exist, and they they are in these areas. Yeah. Well, you've been you've been at, you've been actively researching for many years now, and in regards to some of these areas that you're you're uh, monitoring and you're investigating in. Are there any consistencies in these areas that you've you've noticed over the years? Uh, anything that kind of sticks out to you as to maybe that some similarities in one area, and you can compare those to another area where Sasquatch seems to reside in periodically or or any given time of the year? Not exactly. I do notice that they are they they are close to uh, human contact. I mean, they they do stay pretty close. I notice uh, and. And I don't think it's a big secret up here, but we 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 go in different areas here in the state of Florida. One of them is the Green Swamp, and um, and in different national uh, parks like Ocala National Forest, um, they seem to to stay in those areas. Like they, like like there's areas are very thick areas in those places, um, but they do venture out. And to me, I think they're 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 venturing out to areas where they where they know they can get. Um, a good food source, whether it be uh, off the land or or neighboring homes, you know, or or uh, landfills, things like that nature, because uh, they do, they do seem to, from what I understand, from what I see here, um, they do frequently uh, stay close to uh, home homesteads or cow pastures, which we have a lot of down here, or uh, or uh, different fields, you know. Fruit, fruit fields, uh, groves, and what have you. You know, they have they pretty much stay in those areas. They know where, they know where the food's at. You know, they know where their <laughs> I say they I know they know where their uh, refrigerator is. So, um, and they have many mm-hmm. different refrigerators all over the place. So they venture, and uh, it seems to me that they know if they go this place, they're not going to go back here tomorrow night. They'll go to this other place another night. And I think they have it plotted out to where you know. They don't make their presence known too much in one area. Yeah, I, and that would make sense because the more they're in one particular area, the better chance they may run into somebody that's also going into that area on a regular basis for whatever reason. Um, right. Now, you said green swamp, and you <laughs> have sent swamp. me a clip. One is called the Green Swamp How. That's correct. What I wanted to do was go ahead and and play the clips, but the first one I'm going to play is the Green Swamp How. Can you give us the context of of what was going on when you recorded this? And it, it it's pretty creepy. Okay, this one uh, was uh, done. Uh, we did, it wasn't myself. It was uh, actually another gentleman. Uh, the Green the the Sasquatch Howl. Um, that was in uh, 2013, um, and that was uh, recorded by Chris uh, and uh, Chris Connor. He, he's one of the gentlemen that also uh, is out here beating the bushes. Him and Mark, they get out there quite a lot. Um, in 2013, we were out in, in an area of the Green Swamp, um, uh, one we frequently pretty well because there's a lot of uh, uh, stuff going on out there. Um, this was uh we were we were a group of people group group of guys together um it was i know it was me chris mark and john and i want to say a couple others i can't remember right offhand but most likely willie and and uh and uh, doris his wife um we were out there um and it was about 
maybe 10 o'clock. And he was recording it. I want to say he was recording it with a Sony uh, audio recorder, digital recorder. And uh, it was kind of quiet, you know. And uh, we were kind of walking slowly down this uh, this field road, which connects two different properties in the Green Swamp, which is managed by a uh, water management area. And it was a big field. Uh, and then... Real thick. Uh, there's a river called the Withikuji River that was just north of us. So it's kind of quiet, you know. We're walking there, and it's it's dark. It's uh, I don't think there was a moon that night, and we were we had no lights on. So um, uh, we were sitting there and just contemplating what to do, you know. So as you know, as you do that, you get kind of bored. So I said, oh, "Listen, I'm going to make a I'm gonna, I'm going to make a yell." So I, I did this yell, this real long yell, just to see what what would happen. And it wasn't two, maybe three seconds after I did that. Uh, this this sound comes out that you're going to play here in a moment um, was just north of us, towards the river. And uh, this thing, what I, my opinion, I, I and everyone else's, we thought it was something imitating a coyote. But then it's it wasn't quite a coyote sound. Interesting enough, when that thing did that, just south of us, the actual coyotes started going off and making racket, you know, like they do. Um, but we never heard that sound again the rest of the night. But as we uh, after it ended, I said, well, let's keep going north. Let's keep going north towards that where that sound came from. So we're, we kept going on and on and on up north, uh, walking up north, northly way, and um, <clears throat> I noticed uh, that the owls were going off in that same general direction, which was toward the west, and uh, then they would stop, and then we would keep walking. Then we hear some more owls going off in that general area, and I was saying to the guys, I said, "You guys see those owls over there?" I said. And they said, yeah. And um, I said, well, what do you think if something's moving out there? Because these owls are kind of far way off. And it, it was pretty close to where that howl was as well. But this wasn't no owl making that noise. Um, the regular owls were just going off and moving up food and stuff. And I was always told by an old-time hunter, he said, owls usually won't make a noise unless they see something moving in the forest at night. And uh, so I put two and two together. I said, well, I wonder if that thing is paralleling us as we're walking north because these owls are going off and wow. uh, but we never did I think we did another yell after that probably about an hour after that to see if we can get it to do it again but it never did but as you play that sound you'll uh, you'll, you'll you, I mean I'll leave it up to you it's just my opinion that it sounds kind of like something imitating an owl uh, uh, coyote okay all right, so what I'll do is go ahead and, and play the clip, and I'm going to play it two times in a row because for our listeners, you know, a lot of times when you hear a clip, you're like, play that again. So I'm going to play it two <laughs> yeah. times in a row. So here we go, guys. Oh, yeah. 
unfortunately, we're all excited about it when we're talking over the yeah. town. But uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it kind of next time we hear something has a lot uh, of different tones to it. It, it does, yeah, it does, and it, it really sparked our interest. And that's not the only uh, uh, sound that we we've gotten in in that area or close to that area. Um, the other clips I sent you. There's quite a few of them, and uh, mm-hmm. I actually uh, recorded those on my parabolic mic uh, microphone. Um, I created, I, I built my own parabolic mic with a with a, uh, a Zoom uh, H1 recorder that records in stereo, and uh, that also picked up what a couple different sounds that are clips that we got um, and that one evening. Now, this clip that you sent me called Night Sounds, is that all from one area, or is that a a lot of different areas put together? That is all in one area, all in one night. Okay. <laughs> and is that near the Green Swamp in, in that area? This was this was probably uh, less than a mile or maybe a mile from where this last clip was played. Okay. I'm now still this following one is a little river. along there. Okay, this one is a little bit lengthy, but I think I, I'm going to go ahead and play it because it does show a good array of of different sounds that maybe some of our our investigators who are listening, or just folks out in the woods who are listening, have heard these sounds and also thought that they were kind of unusual. So I'm going to go yeah. ahead and play that one. It is about two minutes long. Um, but I think our listeners will appreciate it. So here we go. Oh, yeah.
Yeah, you, you had some very interesting sounds in there. Uh, some of them sound familiar to myself. Um, <laughs> Shane, how about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah very familiar. Um, some of them, in, some sounds not so familiar. So that's it, that was kind of a treat there uh, because I did recognize some very suspicious sounds in there. And like I said, there was a few that kind of threw me for a loop. Having said that, David, you know, all okay. those sounds there were from the same night, same location. How long were you guys actually out investigating? Uh, well, we were in an area that uh, we, we camp at, and it's, uh, that it's, uh, it's a primitive camp. Um, and we were out there camping, and uh, that night we decided to go uh, to leave the camp area. Um, now, this this area in the green swamp uh, that we camp at, it looks like a jungle. It looks like something out of, you know, uh, Africa or something. Uh, because it has a finger lake that runs right through, uh, not a lake, a finger river a creek that runs through the, the campsite there. But it's uh, adjacent to the, the Wifakuchi River there, which is a pretty big, uh, a lengthy river. I think it's 110 miles uh, long. Um, so that night uh, was on December 2nd, 2016. Um, around 9 o'clock, we left the camp, and we were uh, walking. Uh, I think we had a little bit of a of a moonlight um, that night. And <clears throat> since we did, um, I told everybody, I think we had like six people with us, and we were just walking slowly in a group. And uh, we had my parabolic mic on, and some people had night vision, some had uh, thermal. And... Um, Oh, well, yeah, I think we didn't have the thermal, a gentleman with the thermal out there. Um, but uh, as we're walking, you know, we get to this one spot, and I said, okay, we got to go lights out, and let's see what happens, you know. Um, so we, I told him to sit there, or, you know, turn, turn all your lights out, you know, and uh, get your eyes adjusted to the dark, and uh, we'll proceed on down this trail, which was what we call a fire break or a fire trail that they they make in the in the forest there for uh, forest fires control burns and such so we're walking down this uh fire break and uh we're heading out uh, the area is adjacent to um this gentleman's property that butts up to the this water management area and he owns a bunch of property there and he uh has people come out there and he he uh, he has them hunt deer on it and so he has uh, uh, gay, uh deer feeders on his property uh so all the deer are running across over to his property to get all these you know all this corn and everything else um and then on the opposite side of him is the uh this with the river so we're walking down this trail and this is you know at night we have no lights on uh we're hiking we're going down there real slow checking out things we're you know um we make a we make a turn to the left, which cuts back towards the river, and it just dead ends into the river right there. So as we're walking, a lot of those sounds. Um, as soon as we made that left to to go towards the river, it probably wasn't maybe twenty thirty yards into that. That's where we got that first the first clip uh, was was a knock. I did a whistle and see if I could spark up some interest out there, and I did that. And as soon as I did that, I got a knock, and. Uh, me and John were kind of like stood there, like, "Did you hear that?" <laughs> and then uh, the second one, uh, I I really didn't get the second clip, which I found after I uh, got home. 
We didn't. It was this where I said I heard something. We heard something. We didn't know what it was though. So I got home and I played it, and it was a, a weird, eerie laugh or yell, and that was mm-hmm. clip number two. And I'm like, I got, <laughs> I was listening to that on the computer here at home, and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and I was dumbfounded with what I heard, and I was like, that is so weird. And then of course the uh, the third clip was like the, uh, the 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 yell or the coyote yell type of thing, uh, kind of like with the uh, the other clip was earlier, and then the uh, another uh, yell and then a knock well, happened real fast, and um, and then the fifth clip was re- really strange because it was. It sounded like a gibberish, something was pissed off and just yelling. And it happened, you know, so many seconds and stopped. And we were all like, what the heck is that, you know? And uh, as we're, by this time, when we hear the uh, the yell and the knock between the fourth and the sixth clip here, we were already sitting there standing by the uh, riverbank. And uh, all these sounds that we noticed that uh, we were getting these, Towns in the same direction we just walked through to get to the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, so, we only yeah, knew uh, what was watching us half the time, right? Well, in, in most cases, we don't. We usually break up in smaller groups, and that night we just said, "Ah, heck it, we'll just go out there and we'll all go out there and check it out." Because um, it was uh, most nights are pretty dead quiet, you know, and. You know, mm-hmm. Until later on in the evening, and, and, you, and then you start getting some stuff later on in the evening. But that night, uh, you know, fared pretty well for us to get these uh, audio clips. And uh, uh, we had it. Uh, we sent the clips over to I think Larry Turner to, uh, oh, to yeah. take a look at it. And uh, he, uh, I think he's in the process of doing, uh, still looking at them and oh, running it nice. through. Mm-hmm. And test and stuff, and he he said there, he said too for sure that he he knows there's something on there. He said, but of course you know we have some backbeat on it from us talking, and he's trying to clean mm-hmm. it up a little bit. But uh, but I encourage anyone if anyone wants to you know run that through their uh, any uh, any software Analyze that they it. have, the analyzers and stuff like that. Uh, that would be great. Um, yeah, that I'd love to see the results of something that like that. Now you you sent me this clip called Chattahoochee Death Clip, and <laughs> it is kind of disturbing. What do you think is making those sounds? Is that like a okay. raccoon? Well, um, or... it is a raccoon. Okay. Um, because the the gentleman that recorded that, uh, Alan Rodriguez, um, and actually one of the guys on my uh, our, my team was with him. Uh, Willie uh, Douglas was with uh, Alan that night, that, uh, actually that weekend. Uh, that happened on um, February 18th of this year and um, in the Chattahoochee area. Um, he was using a Tascam DR40 and, uh, to record it by, with. And from what I was told from, uh, from Willie that they uh, – Checked out the sounds online because of this, this, the screeching and stuff uh, that you hear, that you'll hear on it. That was actually from a raccoon. Uh, but then, if you listen closely, you'll hear something. It, it, to them, it sounded like it was something uh, chasing after, or trying to reach it or grab it. 
which it, mm-hmm. it did. Uh, but but in between that, you can hear this this grunt or this these grunt sounds. And I don't know if you can hear it very well over the audio, but uh, uh, Alan, uh, let me uh, agree to uh, let me uh, go ahead and put it on our website. That's mm-hmm. one of our, one of the sounds uh, that's been uh, gathered out there in that area. So it's, it's yeah, it's very intriguing, and uh, I think you did a great mm-hmm. job. And, and the story behind it, the story behind that is that they were in that area for probably about two, maybe three hours before they even got this audio. That's how long they were out there in this one area. Well, to me, at the very end, you can hear like a a thud or a thumping sound, and it almost sounds like maybe something got slammed into the ground or against a tree, because I noticed right after yeah. that sound, it got quiet. Yeah. Uh, that's that's their consensus too, because it sounded like this thing was trying to manhandle this uh, <laughs> this uh, raccoon, and or whether it didn't like it, or maybe it was looking for food, and it just smacked it up against a tree, and that's the sound you'll hear. <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, we we can't say for sure what did this, but there's not many animals in the the for the forests of Florida that can pick up the raccoon and slam it against something. That's I can't think of exactly. Any other No, not any other thing that has a an opposing yeah. thumb. No. Right, right. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and play it and some of you may may find this disturbing, but you know, we we play the evidence, potential evidence. So, here we go and I'm just going to play this the one time and listen carefully in the middle for the the grunting sounds that David has um, pointed out and then at the very end you can hear like this large thumping thud sound so here we go That's pretty intense, but you definitely can hear something at the very end. Whack. Yeah. Yeah, and and they they did uh, do uh, some research on that to be sure, you know, what that sound was as far as a raccoon, and they and they did, uh, uh, you know, play play other sounds that they found online. That uh, yeah, this is a raccoon in distress <laughs> sound, and mm. uh, it did match it did match up to what you heard there. Um, so yeah, it's very compelling. Uh, but I've you know I've heard uh, heard of these creatures doing this to uh, to hunting dogs as well. You know they they mm-hmm. 
they yeah. well don't like uh, hunting hunting dogs as well, and I've heard stories about them doing the same thing to to, the, to dogs. And I was going to say, you know, it's not the first time I've uh, heard a report or read a report or listened to a report where uh, a raccoon's been involved in with in regards to a Sasquatch sighting, where a Sasquatch has actually been seen uh, going after a raccoon. So it's uh, it right. falls in line with some of these other reports that I've heard. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very interesting. The, the sound, the audio makes it, makes everything interesting. It'll be it'll be awesome if we can actually get them in the act of doing it on video and. You know that would you know <laughs> that'll be the uh, golden nugget there, but uh, right. that's you know, as everyone knows, that's very hard to do unless you get very lucky. Oh yeah, and if it was easy, yeah. we'd already know what they are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So we're getting uh, close to the end of the the hour here. What are you guys up to right now? I mean, we talked about that you're doing some investigating and you have some kind of current uh, reports, but what is the future? of your group you think well we hopefully like to get uh everything's based on uh getting the evidence you know hopefully we get more hardcore evidence uh uh definitive evidence on these things and the more we the more we uh go through training as far as uh like we had evidence uh, collecting training here not too long ago with uh, uh one of the guys on our team he's a retired uh, police officer that uh, awesome. um, he did a forensic class for us, did an ex- excellent job in teaching us how actually the best evidence to get on these creatures or any primate is saliva. So we learned a lot on that class of, about that. He said not so much the blood, the hair, and all that, but uh, he he said that uh, in in the criminal world, saliva is the best evidence to convict. So um, he suggested we work towards that, getting getting some uh, saliva, getting the DNA from that, from these Sasquatches, and uh, whether it be putting a something out there where Sasquatch could lick peanut butter off. He said that would be <laughs> there. You go. You have your DNA uh, in the mm, uh, saliva, and uh, also tree breaks and uh, those things like that, because our uh, uh, every, everything we touch, we leave DNA behind through our cells, right. our skin, our skin cells. So and he goes, if you see a break out there, you see something that you might suggest that it could be a Sasquatch that twisted the tree or what have you, or you had a handprint on the glass or, or something like that. All that, all that evidence there has DNA in it. And uh, so he taught us a lot of, about collecting that evidence. And of course, some of the team uh, team members have already gone through. Um, a uh, a class for tracking uh, through uh, Lee Culver's uh, team and the Enigma Research Group. They put on a great class there for a uh, tracking class. They've already been through that back in uh, 2010. Um, and as, as I mentioned before, the uh, forensic class was here just back in May of this year. We had that class, which was an awesome class. But we, uh, we want to be able to get more classes, uh, things like that, it, more training under our belts because what it's going to take is uh, us to, uh, if you want to prove this thing exists, exists uh, and you want to prove it to science, you have to um, collect the evidence the way science wants you to collect it. So that's where we're heading. That's what we want to do is we want to 
get everybody on on the same page of how to collect mm-hmm. this evidence and everybody and everybody learn how to do it, not just one person, because um, you never know where you're going to be at. Um, and our team spreads out throughout the the state of Florida, some some outside of the state of Florida. We got you know, some people in uh, Tennessee and and uh, Georgia, and uh, we you know they they need to know. I would like them to learn all this that they can because, uh, you know, they and they could get that evidence that we've all been waiting for um, in, that, in that area that they're in. So it's good to learn these skills, and, you know, that's what we're here for. So hopefully in the next, I don't know, so many years or something, we'll get closer to getting that definitive uh, evidence, hopefully get science to uh, a little nudge more and, and say, hey, look at this, you know. And uh, right. to look our direction because if we don't collect it, first thing they're going to ask you is, "Well, how do you collect your evidence?" And if it wasn't like the way they collect their evidence and gather mm-hmm. it, they're not going to—they're not going to look at us. You know, they're not going to look at our evidence at all. So, you know, it's better to join them to, in their efforts to gather that uh, evidence the way they do. Yeah, and I appreciate you—you you guys with the scientific approach. David, I, I wish you guys the best, and we'd love to have you back on um, down the oh, road here, man. maybe give us an yeah. update on what's going on. We really appreciate having the show. What a great show. And uh, Radio, we want to thank you for your time, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Anytime. I'll be happy to come back on the show anytime you like. All right, David. Thank you so much. Appreciate well, thank that. Thank you very much, and like I said, it was an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, what a what a fascinating I mean really just a fascinating show I'm really encouraged by uh, what I heard tonight from David and his group uh, these guys are up to great things uh, they're approaching it I believe the right way and I think uh, because of their hard work on the field they got stuff to show for it yeah and really really appreciate having David on and definitely we'll definitely have him back on again because I know he's got much more to share and I have definitely more questions for him so uh, having said that though man guys for those of you that are fans of Monster X Radio. I really encourage you to sign up for Monster Exclusive, uh, where you'll get just so much more content, more in-depth shows, uh, shows like Bigfoot Biometrics, Eyewitness Encounters, Field Reports, and, of course, Sasquatch Island with Thomas Seawood. You'll also be included, by signing for Monster Exclusive, you'll be included into our private Facebook group, where you can uh, sign up at www.monsterxradio.com. That's www.monsterxradio.com. Sign up for exclusive. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. We've got a lot of new things on the the agenda that we're pouring in to uh, show content from across the board. And you'll get many shows like this show this evening, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I'm sure you've enjoyed as well. But in a few weeks here, Monstrex Radio is going to be going from providing a weekly free show. Uh, We're going to go from that, and we're going to be switch gears a little bit. We're going to do a biweekly free show. Uh, rather than, which is basically two free shows a month, rather than a weekly free show, because we are really hammering down the hatches here and and trying to provide the best content out there and exclusive. And our focus right now is on Monster Exclusive. So check it out. Like I said, you won't be disappointed. We want to provide the best content, and we value uh, your time and our time. And our time spent right now is definitely uh, going to be heavily invested in the Monster Exclusive. I know Julie's been busy at work, Gunnar Monson, myself, and Thomas. We are um, really gathering some of the best stuff out there, I believe, in interviews, in content, 
in field reports, eyewitness encounters. And, uh, yeah, so uh, like tonight's show, fantastic show. Expect more of this in exclusive and constant updates with the field report shows and eyewitness encounters and the Bigfoot biometrics, which I'm excited about doing. And so please check it out. I know it, you know, we're really we have a lot of loyal fans, and we're really excited about sharing this, this kind of endeavor with you. So check it out. I really hope everybody enjoyed tonight's broadcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and we'll definitely have David back on. And for Julie Wrench and myself, Shane Corson, y'all stay squatchy. Have a great week, and we'll see you again here shortly. 